but if it's your first week and you didn't see the video, the point of the video is to show a transformation took place in my life from some time ago, a spiritual and a practical transformation. And we're in week three of this four-week series called Transformation. It's how God revealed the spiritual transformation process of a new convert in Christ, someone who comes to the Lord. We talked about repentance when we turn to God and we say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I would, I would love for you to forgive me, God. And he says, you got it. And now I forsake that old life and I follow you, God. And then last week we talked about the H2O effect when John, uh, Jesus was telling Nicodemus in John 3 that you must be born of water and the spirit. And we talked about born of water and how the water is the word and Jesus was the word and the word is the living water and the water cleanses us for good of those things. It's a remission of sin. We no longer have to even remember. Jesus doesn't even remember anymore. It's gone. It never happened when we have remission of sin. So today we're going to continue on through this passage in the transformation process according to the scripture which is the leading guidance into all truth. The Spirit of God is, is His Word. You can't separate His Word from who He is. You can't separate the Father from creation. The Son of Redemption was just a word to understand that God had a plan of redemption. The Word made flesh was Jesus. The regeneration process, the new birth, it's all, it's all God. It's all the Spirit is the source of everything. He spoke. Our words are Spirit, and they are life. Everything is Spirit. But I was thinking about life, and I have four kids, and I don't know when y'all have had a kid, but especially the first one, it's the most surreal thing because you know the baby's coming, you know it's in there, and you just can't fathom how God made it work. And I know some of you science people say, well, if you connect the atoms and you blah, 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 sleep coma, okay, service is over. But at the, at the beginning of that chain of science, is God. God is the source of life. He makes it all work. And as we decipher God, we think we got him figured out. But he's still in our box. But God doesn't operate in a box. The, the Bible says he has no counselor. He is the beginning and the end. He, he has no counselor, the alpha and the omega. So what we do is as we, as we get a little more wise, we start thinking we know God. We, we got him figured out. And so we start pulling him back to our understanding and trapping him in that box. And as long as we're comfortable, we'll continue to live a few more years that way until something else happens bad enough and we kick, get kicked bad enough or we trip hard enough that we say, okay, maybe there's more. You know what I'm saying? When you become comfortable, you, you get comfortable in your Christianity and you say, that's good enough. But maybe the Bible says there's more. And if the Bible says it, there's a reason. There's no extra credit in the Bible. Did you know that? You know you can have a gift that you need. Just because someone gave you a gift doesn't mean you don't need it. If there's a gift to be given from God, I need it. I don't just, I'll take it. All right. No. If it's in there, there's a reason. There's a reason God does everything in the scripture. So I was thinking about life and just this, this idea that no matter how much knowledge I have around the scientific reason my child grew in my wife's womb, not to be graphic, but, you know, and then the birthing process and this child comes out and you think it came from nothing. Wow. And it's like, it's like one of the moments people turn to God often because they realize only God 
could do that. Only God could create this child. And so to, 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 to grow off that, I think what if God's view of life is so different than what we even think we think it is? That's just a snapshot of what life is. We think we understand life. We think we understand because we've had a child that we understand what life is. But what if God says, no, no, no. It's much bigger than that. It's just like our marriage is to model the marriage of Christ to his church. We think Christ models our, you know, we think the Bible uses marriage to illustrate how, how he operates. But no, he says, you operate the way you do because of what I created. You're, you're a result of my marriage to my people and my church. That's why you have covenant with your wife or your, your husband. So I was just thinking, you know, how many times have I been trapped in this box thinking I got life figured out? But what if God thinks of life on a much bigger platform, much bigger world? The gift of life maybe is greater than what we see here on earth. Life is bigger than this carnal thing. It ain't nothing but a thing. It's a thing. I stole that. If y'all watch a little social media, you know I stole it. But it's not a thing, it's a thing. And it's true. It's nothing but a thing. It's a temporary season we're in. This life is temporary. It's not life as we know it. God has a bigger picture. And as we take upon the identity of Christ, we become a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. In understanding the biblical blueprint God has outlined for his people is essential. Everybody say essential. In order to receive, you have to receive what he's given you. If you don't receive it, you can just leave it on the porch like the UPS man because I don't want to answer the door. You can just leave it. You got a delivery, but I didn't receive it. It's on my porch. I'll get it eventually. I'm tired of stuff from Amazon. I'll just leave it on the porch. I didn't receive it yet. The receiving dock has to receive the shipment. Okay? To receive all he has for us, when we seek and receive, it results in complete transformation. Search your hearts this morning and seek that you may know the fullness of God, that he may manifest himself to you and then through you. If we go back to John, I'm starting to feel like a preacher, like with the hanky and the cotton mouth and everything. It's great. I've seen the guys with the shiny heads and, hey, that's what I, that's what I do. So if I use my shirt, you're supposed to use a, a hanky and be cool, but I'm, I'm not cool enough for that. If we go back to John, how many members last week we talked about Jesus, his conversation with Nicodemus, the Jewish leader who was highly educated. Y'all remember that? Were you guys here last week? Okay, good. Just checking. It's so bright up here. I don't know who's here and who isn't. I just see white. It's the linen of God. Sometimes. Just kidding. So to recap last week, we looked at John 3, 1 through 5. And I'm going to skim through that real quick so you remember where we left off so that the next part is going to continue to make sense to you because it matters. In verse 1, it says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, and I don't think I have this on there, Jen. I'm not totally sure. A ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can they enter a second time in his mother's womb? Like, 
he was baffled. This guy's smart. And he was, that was my Urkel thing. He was, you know, I need the glasses. It was supposed to be funny, it just wasn't. So he, he, he didn't understand how he could, he thought he was going to literally enter the womb again. Ew. Anyway, lost my place. Jesus answered, most surely I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. Now to today's passage, verse 6. Sorry, Jen, I threw that at you without warning. Jesus then says, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel. It means don't, don't get all freaked out. That I say to you, you must be born again. Just chill, man. I got you. That's what Jesus was saying. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound. You hear something. You hear the sound of it. But you cannot tell where it comes or from where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. He says you're going to hear something like the wind. Oh, he's good. Oh, there's more. Can I give you more? This is just, this is just, the, this is just opening the door. This is not in. We're not in. This is the door. See, Jesus is good. He's always prophesying while he's with them about what's going to go down when he leaves. They're all confused. You drink my blood, eat my flesh. What is he talking about? The wind blows. I got to go into the womb a second time. What is, this guy's crazy. If he wasn't Jesus, I, thought he, I think he's crazy. But he's Jesus, so okay. I'm going to listen. I saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. I saw him heal blind eyes. I saw him do things that I thought was crazy then too. But I'm listening. Just because it's been 2,000 years and I'm forgetting the word doesn't mean it never happened. The word doesn't expire because we're comfortable. Nicodemus answered in verse 9 and said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said, Are you, aren't you a teacher of Israel? And yet you do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we, being the apostles in Jesus, the ministry at that time while they still walked the earth, speak that we know and we testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. You still don't receive it. What do we got to do? For you to receive what I'm saying to you. That's what Jesus was saying in his nice, smooth voice. He didn't freak out like I do. It's the Italian blood. It's the drop. Sicilian. If I told you earthly things, verse 12, and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? If you don't even believe me of the things we're doing right now, how on earth will you believe what I'm going to do in the heavens for your soul? There's another passage that says, if your earthly father promises you bread, will he give you a stone? It says, how much greater will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit those who ask him? If your earthly father will give you bread and you know it, you know your God will give you something he promises. He never leaves out a way to receive if it's something he says you need. If you need it, he's going to provide a way for you to receive it. He won't leave you hanging, but this takes a seeking heart. No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, 
That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. See, he's playing this word game. He's talking about himself because he knows what dwelleth in him is the Spirit of the Lord that, the gate that put him in the womb of Mary and that will ascend shortly and come back down soon as the comforter. So he's really confusing Nicodemus, Nick, or maybe it was Nicky Poo, like I have my nephew in my phone. It's Nicky Poo. When I look up my nephew, I'm making fun of Nick. <laughs> he's still Nicky Poo, even though he's 21 years old. It's, I really should change that in my phone, Nick. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, resurrected that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The title of this message is Spirit-Filled. That's a weird, that's a weird man. It's the Bible. Spirit-Filled. I felt the need to break this out into two weeks because it's a lot to chew on. And it's the Bible. And it's the meat of the book of Acts. If you miss the meat, you miss the dessert. We're not talking about epistles. We're not talking about the saved church and the epistles. When, when Paul was talking to the church who is already saved, we're talking to the sinner who is seeking God here. We're talking the birth of the church, the history of the church, the book of Acts is what we're talking here. Spirit-filled. You must be born of water and the spirit, the Bible says. Jesus himself said. And people get tripped up because of Word games, they confuse how simple God wants to manifest his gospel to us. And that when the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit, it just means God in action is all it means. When you see the word Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, and the Spirit moved, there's always an action, always. And the Spirit will do this. It will move. And it moved upon the heavens and the earth and the waters. And it moved on the day of Pentecost. And it moved. And as they spoke, it fell on them. It moved. There was always an action when the scripture references the Spirit. It's how God describes him moving in action. When the term Father is used, he's talking about creation in the source of creation, the source of things. And when he talks about Son, it's the plan. It's the offspring of the creation. It's the Word made flesh. It's the plan I had since the beginning that has a beginning when he was born out of that womb, Jesus. Does that make sense? It's words to describe God in a way we can wrap our senses around, okay? But God is a spirit, simply put. God is a spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is mentioned, or some translations call it the Holy Ghost, you want to go old school? Get my preacher voice? The Holy Ghost! I knew my dad would like that. There's a reason it's mentioned, there's a reason it's shouted, and there's a reason it takes action. Because our example in the scripture is active. Jesus says, that who's born again will hear like the wind blows. You will hear something. Remember, they were to go be endued with power when Jesus left. See, Jesus was, has, has resurrected, okay? And he's roaming the earth for 40 days. This is, this is later. I'm getting my timelines confused, y'all. But, but, but see, right now, today, here, we are past 40 days from the resurrection and we are within the window and ironically I can't I can't spoil this for next week the day of Pentecost falls on next Sunday how crazy is that the 50th day we're in the 10-day window when Christ ascends and they're go they're to go to wait in Acts 2 they're waiting for something but they got to get to 50 penty oh we're gonna get there I can't believe he talks like this he like reads the Bible to us 
How dare him? So, listen, it's the word. I'm just the messenger. I'm not the writer. And when Jesus says something, I listen. When he says, you must be born of water and the spirit to enter my kingdom, I'm listening. I don't care what my parents told me. That's enough for me to listen. God has a supernatural gift for you. Look at three people, even though they may not be close, and just give them, a, give them a share. Say, God has a supernatural gift for you. God has a supernatural gift for you. God has a supernatural gift for you, all my peeps on the stage. So my question to you today is, do you believe in wind? Well, yeah, of course I believe in wind. Why? Why do you believe in wind? Can you see it? No but I can see the results from what it touches. I can see stuff that's affected by the wind. I can't see wind, but I believe in wind because I can see stuff that happens because something is touched by the wind. Oh, how about that? It's like, God's so smart, he created the wind. When he said the wind, you will hear something like the wind blows. You with me? He's setting them up for expectation. God has a reason he says every single word. That's why translations matter. It matters. Remember, we talked about baptism. You must believe the scripture said, and that was just taken out altogether from a new living, which we have. And I love comparing translations, but it matters. And do you believe in wind? Like, we've been getting some crazy weather. How many saw the, 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 the thunderstorm? It looked like a tornado brewing to me yesterday. Anybody see that? Okay. It was blackout. We saw some trees sideways. I believe in wind because I see some trees like this. But I don't see the wind. I see the result of the wind. I see the evidence of the wind. Okay? And my kids get all scared. Not because they see wind, because they see the evidence of the wind. And they come in our room oh, every time there's a thunderstorm. Can we sleep over? No, not on church tonight. No, you messed me up. I got to preach, boy. Okay. All right, Kaylee. Please, Daddy, please. Okay, fine. And they sleep over, and then I sleep really badly. But the wind, the, 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 the thunder, and, and the lightning, and the whoosh, you hear, you hear the wind. It whistles. You hear something. I can't see it, but I can hear it. I believe it. I mean, he did raise Lazarus from the dead, so maybe I should, this might be, there might be something here. Despite my neighbor thinking I'm crazy. How many know you don't need to worry about what your neighbor says? You need to know what God says. They need to be listening to you, not you listening to them. Because the water, the watered down word is becoming watery. It's like coffee that's too weak. Nobody wants that. You know, when you get coffee at the, like the hotel and it's lukewarm and it's so water, nobody wants that because it doesn't taste good. And the devil don't want you to have this message today. He doesn't want you to have this message because there's power in this message. Vincent knows there's power in this message. Nate knows there's power in this message. There's power. Believing in something you can't see can be hard to do, but that's why it takes faith. And an opportunity to change requires an openness to see differently than before. If you never needed to see differently, then why do anything different? You're trying to grow, right? We're trying to grow beyond where we're at because we believe maybe we don't have it all figured out. I don't. It's a walk with the Lord. You're constantly growing and learning. And the things of God, the greatest things, are totally not grasped by the human mind. 
When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, it was, uh, no, that can't happen. Uh, when he forgave sin, uh, it's, no, you can't do that, so I don't understand that. But see, everything God does that's really revelatory, really brings revelation to the things your mind says, Mm-mm, I don't think so. Maybe not in that valley girl voice, but God does things on a level that will surpass your senses because he's spiritual. The spirit is not able to be grasped by your senses. So when you try to centralize a move of God, you're going to come up short and go, can't happen. But God says, I made you. You don't define me. I defined you. I am your source. I am the Father. And the enemy desires nothing more than you to doubt, avoid, and run away from anything that gives us the ability to zero in on the collective nature of his word. You piece it together. It's not complicated. But you've got to seek to know the truth. And flesh is flesh, and it can't understand the spiritual. It never will. That's why we have to have faith. When our heart conceives enough and believes, a shift will take place. We begin to walk in our faith. Belief is just the beginning. You remember, you remember the demons that, that tempted Jesus on the mountain, and he cast them into swines? They said, we know who you are. You are the Christ. They believed the Christ was him as well. They didn't follow Jesus. They believed who he was, though. Belief is the beginning. It's the pregnancy of the word that takes, starts growing and manifests action, which is what faith is when your belief takes action. Our heart for God is not determined by what my neighbor thinks. It's based on my individual experience that God gave me, your experience God gives you. It's for everyone. It's a gift. It's freely given. You don't have to be talented to receive all the gifts God wants to give you. That's why it's by grace. When it's by grace, it means you can't earn it, but you still need it. Just because you didn't have to buy it doesn't mean you don't need something that your God knows you need. He's trying to give it to you. And I don't know about you, but we, come, we become like uh, essentially spiritual. It's like we get really good at the, the holy dance, you know, when the, when the, when the worship's going and we, we get to walk around. Yeah, and we, get, we throw out some scripture when we're at the, at the place with the people and everything. But at the root of it, we're missing the spirit of God. Because we've, we've, we've trapped ourselves with our senses. Because we won't let ourselves go past our tradition. We won't let ourselves go past what mom and, mom and dad taught me. I can't go past that because, because what if they were wrong? What if they were different? What if there's more and, and they didn't know about it? Maybe God's saying you should show them. Maybe God's trying to show you to show them too. We trap God in the ability, he's, the things he's able to do spiritually, we trap him with our senses and say, that's it. That's as far as you can go, God, because I'm good now. I look good. People think I'm cool. They think I'm holy on Facebook. They think I live a good life, even though maybe I know something's still not right in here. I know, and God knows. But everybody else thinks I'm good, so I'm going to stay essentially spiritual. God wants you to be spiritual, spiritual. Not essentially spiritual. Senses prohibit revelation. Does that make sense? We live by our senses what they can determine. But the spiritual part of our life and the magnificent things God can do to you can't be rationalized by your senses. 
just like a baby's birth. It's, we call it a miracle from God because we can't rationalize what God is doing. Oh, it's about to get good right here. If we go to John chapter 14, verse 17 through 18, this is Jesus. Now, this is back before he was crucified, talking some more with the apostles. He said, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Wait, what? Wait, what did you say? You know the spirit of truth. For he dwells with you and will be in you. He dwells with you, but he will be in you. It's good. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. The comforter, another, another gospel says, the comforter will come to you. The Holy Spirit will come to you. I will come to you. You get it? You get it? He's talking about himself. Because the spirit that's in him that he was conceived of is the same spirit that's going to come to them. Because if you want to be the body and take the place as the arms and feet, you got to have the same DNA. you got to have the spirit of God to be the body of Christ. That's what makes you a body. You can't separate the DNA and call yourself a body. That's two people. He says, if you want to be part of my body, I will be in you. Go and wait, and you will not be able to do anything without a sign because I am the one that's going to endue you with power. I will be in you. I will not leave you parentless. I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you comfortless. I will be in you. The Spirit of God will be in you. It's powerful. You got to understand, people, put your mind there. These guys have been traveling with Jesus all this time, and he's going to go away? They're terrified. He's everything. Remember when Peter was on the water, and then the, and then the storm, and they got scared in the boat, and he was sleeping? He's like, he was their comfort, and you're going to take away my comfort? He says, no. We're done with the manna. I've got a feel now. I'm going to show you how to take it up to the next level, because now I need you to do the same to them. Jesus tells them he will come back to them. He's going to take action. So he says the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit will take action soon enough. In 50 days from my resurrection, the Spirit will take action. And then you will know it's time to do the great commission. And Jesus reveals here that the Spirit of God is necessary to walk according to its fruits. If you want to produce the fruits of the Spirit, you need the Spirit in you. Jesus paid the price, but then he reveals he will come back to us. Man, it takes a lot to get, get that around your head personally, Mike, that he did it for you personally. He did it for Michelle personally. He went and paid the price, and then he said, I'm still going to come back to you. You don't have to do anything but seek me and my word. I'm still going to come back to you. I will never leave you. He won't leave us parentless, and he gave us a way to reunite with him again through the transformation. If my mind prohibits 
God's ability. This is good. If my mind prohibits God's ability, I'm going to miss the gift. Okay? You can be cool with all the people, but you want what God has. And if, you mind, if your mind prohibits God from moving the way he says he wants to move in your life, you are going to miss the gift. If it's a gift from God, we need it. If my understanding was the premise for my salvation, I could never be saved. That's why God has to do something that's beyond our understanding. Because if we had to figure it out based off our intelligence, only the Pharisees could be saved because they're so clever and with their nice garments. He says, no, I got to shake you up. I got to change something that's going to blow your mind and blow your tradition and blow everything you've ever known and go, oh my God, only God could do that. I don't care if they believe me because I was there. I felt that. That's what he'll do. He's going to shake us up. He's going to shake the apostles up. He's dropping seedlings. God wants complete control of your life and it requires full submission. How many know the book of James? It's all about control. And in order to control the whole body, he says God's got to get a hold of your tongue. It's the most unruly member of your body. If God can control your mouth, he can control your life. We steer horses by the bits in their mouth. We feel, feel, feed babies with the bottle in their mouth. It's the, it's the source because it's the most unruly member. We steer boats by the helm and the rudder because that's what controls the whole ship. Get off the steering wheel. Give God control. That's why we praise. That's why we praise because your praise will take you to a place you've never been before. But you got to praise him. I need the gift. And God won't withhold something I need. If my understanding was the premise, I could never be saved. But God says, don't worry about that. You just believe my words, son. Follow me, seek me, and I will do the rest. Anybody know what the forecast is today? You know, it was a tornado last night. But what's the forecast today? I think some wind's coming. I think some wind is coming, Nate. I was talking to Jesus a few weeks ago before he, you know, ascended. And he said, there's going to be some wind. It's going to get windy. Then I'm going to hear something. What's he talking about? There's a constant theme of weather in God's forecast. And this is that. This is that. Yeah, you heard about that? Yeah, that's what this is. This is that. This is that. It's in next week's sermon. The prophet Joel uh, 228. Joel 228. This is that. Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet of the Old Testament. The prophecies were to support what validated the New Testament. That's why we had to have hermeneutics to know that Scripture reveals Scripture. Remember week one, line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept. Collectively, God reveals his plan. And Isaiah, way back in 28, verse 11 says, For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people. What do you mean God's going to speak through the mouth, the most unruly member of the body? Because you're saying if God can get your mouth, he can get your whole life? Because the Bible, James's brother said that the, the body was controlled by the mouth and that the whole life, it was, the tongue was the most unruly member of the body. And if God can get your mouth, he can get your life? Isaiah said it 
thousands of years earlier that God was going to speak through his people. There's going to be a sound, he says. He said, go and wait for a sound like the wind blows. You're going to hear something. How can I speak the things of God without the power of God? He said, I got you. Go and wait for a sign. You need a sign. Look to your neighbor tell him, you need a sign. Come on now. You need a sign. This is the scripture, folks. I'm not making this up. You can, you can have the verses. People don't want to talk about this. That's why we started the church. Because we got to give the Bible. Quit playing cool and give the word. So before we go to the next passage here, I'm going to give a little setup. Jesus says, you're going to hear something. You're going to hear something, but you got to wait till the festival of weeks on day 50, which is Acts 2. He says, you're going to hear something when he was referring to being born again. He said, you're going to hear something like the wind blows. Such is he who's born of the Spirit. You're going to hear something, but wait for a sign. If you don't have a sign, then you can't be confident that you know because you need this gift. Okay. In Acts 2, verses 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord, in one place. There was 120 of them in this upper room. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house with where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled. Everybody say, filled with the Spirit of the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Isaiah, for with a stammering tongue and another stammering lips and another tongue, I will speak to his people. Utterance is the Spirit of God manifesting itself in you, and it, it forms into what's called glossolalia, language, spirit language, God, and he says, as the Spirit gives you the utterance, but as you continue to praise, God's going to form it into him speaking to his people, and that's what happened. That's a lot of theology right now. I don't know if you're getting all that. I've been, I've, this is nothing new for me. So I've been, I've been talking and thinking on this stuff for a long, long time. So I don't know if you're getting all that. But what happens is when you become pregnant with that word and you keep getting filled up with that word, eventually something's got to come out. You know when you shake up a soda real good? You open that thing? Yeah, it's weird. I think it's weird too. But God does weird stuff. It was weird when Lazarus came out all stanky from that tomb. But he came out. I believed him. The Spirit gave them the utterance. And in part two of this, we're going to get more into that because the people thought they were crazy then too. They said, they've been drinking. I said, no, it's nine in the morning. Only a few of them have been drinking. This is God. It's nine in the morning. We're going to get to that next week. But the Spirit gives us the utterance when we seek. And the, the, the Spirit is, is Spirit, but the utterance is a sign that something is brewing in you. And God says, I have a gift for you. You need this gift. What was forecasted to come had come to fruition. The promise had manifested. And when this happened, the apostles went, I get it. Now I get it. Now I understand that I needed to wait. I didn't even know what I was missing. You know, it's like when your five-year-old has a revelation that he could die if he goes out and plays in traffic. Well, nothing's going to happen until he almost gets run over by a car. And he goes, I get it. I get it now. This is called the new dispensation. A dispensation is a time window. Between the, the creation and the birth of Christ was the old 
covenant or dispensation that expired when Jesus came and threw the law on his face. He fulfilled the law is what he actually said. He made it, he made it fulfillable because the Pharisees had made it so difficult. So then, so then there was a dispensation by the time Jesus walked this earth until he died. But now that he died, it said because the Holy Ghost had not yet been given because he had not yet ascended, another passage says, now that he has ascended, he has given away to go back and be in them. Remember, I will be in you, he says. I will not leave you parentless. I will come to you. And that's what happened. So this light bulb went off. We call it revelation in the, in the ministry world. And now it's a new dispensation that Christ has ascended. This is the new covenant with man, the transformation process. And God has a supernatural gift for you. It's a gift. It's a gift that all should receive the Spirit of the Lord. God prophesied the plan of salvation to Nicodemus. You must be born of water and the Spirit to enter my kingdom. I don't sweat like this and scream like this if it didn't matter in my heart. I want to give you this word. And you go back to this word. Look at this word on your own. Read this word. You want to know God? Read his word. Don't listen to me. Read his word. You can listen to me too, but reinforce what you hear with your word. Because God is his word. You can't separate a man from his word. If he speaks it, it is. I will come to you. God wants to shift your weather pattern. God is sending the wind, and if you believe it, you can receive it. It's a gift for all. It's not a Pentecostal thing. It's not a Catholic thing. It's a God thing. It's a book of Acts thing. It's not a full gospel thing. It's not a Presbyterian thing. It's not a Calvinism thing. It's not an Orthodox thing. It's not a Lutheran thing. It's not a denomination thing. It's a Jesus thing. It's the gospel. That's why we wanted to start a church because we're so tired of, like we're getting pieces of a pie. And let's go back to the Bible, people. We follow Jesus. Well, what do you believe? We believe Jesus. What do you follow? We follow the, the gospel. We follow the Bible. Oh, well, well, well tell me more because I want to define you. Define us. That's the word. We follow the word. What denomination? We're not a denomination. We're Jesus. Jehovah saves his people from their sins, for he shall save their people from their sins. Jesus, Yeshua. He shall bear a child, and his name shall be called Jesus, for they shall save his people from their sins. If y'all could stand with me this Sunday morning. This really cool thing happened a few days ago. And I wasn't going to say it next week, but I'll say it both weeks, actually. Why not? Last week, I mean, last year, so the day of Pentecost is always 50 days after the resurrection. 50. 40 days he, he witnessed over to 500, over 500, and then he ascended. Then there was a 10-day gap. And on the, Pente, the Pentecost, the 50th day, the festival of weeks started. They were waiting to be endued with power to go preach the Great Commission. And last week, it felt, last year, I kind of quit saying week, it fell on May 20th. And what's funny about May 20th is I preached this message called The Gateway for Change, and it was my personal testimony of when God filled me with the Holy Spirit. I was 25. Didn't plan it. Never looked at the calendar. I didn't know what Pentecost Sunday was. That's like what old preachers do. I don't know about any of that stuff. I need to ask my dad those kind of questions or Google it. I'm not that organized. So how strange is it that this year, so that was weird by itself. You know, God does weird things. He times things. Timing matters with God. This year, this whole series was supposed to be about six weeks ago. I don't even know why, so we need, we need to move it. We moved it. 
So we finished the series on the, the new birth of the Holy Spirit on week four, which is the day of Pentecost 2019. How crazy is that? Come on, somebody. Come on, do you believe it? I didn't plan that. I didn't plan that. I'm not one of these people who go, oh, God did that and God this. I'm a pessimist. I don't believe nothing. Okay, I'm Debbie Doubter when I'm outside of here a lot of times. But I'm telling you, two years in a row, it fell on the same day. That's crazy, man. God is speaking. God is speaking. I know it. Some of you have never heard of this. Some of you have heard of it, and, and culture has distorted it, polluted it. But we don't care about what culture thinks. We want to go back to what did God say and go by that. And some of you are seeking this very thing, and you don't, you don't understand it. That's okay. We're not seeking tongues and all that. We're seeking the Spirit of God, the transformation. The tongues happen to these people because when they become pregnant with the Word, and they become so starving for God, they just overflowed, and naturally that's what happened because the Spirit gives the utterance. Because God said, I will give that in, in a process. And this is not, this is not, this is not Paul talking to the, the church of Corinthians about the gift of some have and some don't. This is to the unsaved church. This is talking about the new birth that Jesus referred to Nicodemus. They're different. They're different. But you don't have to sweat it. And he said, do not marvel, remember? Bro, Nicodemus, do not marvel that I say you must be born again. I'm not going to not provide anything you need. If I say you need it, if I give away, you, you're going to have it. It's going to be easy. Just seek, knock, and the door shall be opened. When you praise God, your praise will go to a whole nother level. When you seek for more, God will give you more. Amen? It takes seeking heart. God wants to transform you today. My life has been shambles, in shambles, and I, I love God, but something is missing. I need more, God. God says, I got you. God wants to give you more. If we could bow our heads, I know this lighting is not helping the awkwardness. If we could bow our heads right now, let's pray. We're going to continue this next week, and we're going to go into why this happened and now, why it's important to have this while we continue our journey here on earth. That it's not only a heavenly thing, there's an earthly and practical side to everything God does spiritual. It's always twofold. But I don't want to forbid someone who's seeking right now. So we will open this altar, and, and I know it's uncomfortable, and you don't have to come down here, and you can pray in your seat, but I don't want to forbid a seeking heart. I want to make sure we always give the opportunity. And, and if you're, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if, if you want to seek more and you want to do more, you can, you can lift your hand. You can, you can get on your knees and pray. You can come to this altar and we will have, if you're, if you're a woman, we will get a woman prayer attendant. If you're a man, we'll get a, a man prayer attendant. And if you're good where you are, that's fine too. I want you to chew on this. I want you to pray on this and, and learn God's word because it matters. And this truth is washing away with each generation and, and we got to learn it. God, we come to you right now. God, we come to you right now for all the seeking hearts, for all the, all the hearts that know they need more, God. We know that you are the provider and we need to receive anything you have available to us. It's free. We need it. If, it, you, if you want to give it to us, it's free and we need it, God. Help us 
manifest in our heart. Help this stir in our heart and see the fullness of who you are and what you have done and the the new things you want to do in our life going forward. That maybe there's a whole section of you we've never known. We're missing. There's a gap. We ask right now, God, have your hand on us as we close in this worship. Let us praise openly. Let us just sing the music and you will do the difference. And the spirit of God may be planted in the belly and out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, says the word. When we begin to praise and we open up our mouth and we give control, the spirit will move. And if the house of God can say in Jesus name, amen.